Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Good morning, again. I know I've already said good morning to you all, but good morning, again. This morning, I want to talk about something that is my personal biggest struggle with the living a life of try. This is something that stops me from living a life of try more than a fear of failure, more than um, forgetting to try, more than doubting God or choosing not to try. This morning, what I want to speak about is the fear of rejection. And I envy those people that can truly say, I really don't care what anyone thinks about me. I really don't care um, whether someone likes me or they don't like me. I don't care if they think I look silly. I don't care what people think about me. If you're one of those people, then great, good for you, and catch up on some sleep this morning. Um, (laughs) But for many of us here this morning, I believe that a life of try is being held back by a fear of being rejected. A fear of looking silly. A fear of, as a result of trying, being outcasted. And if this is you, like me, you may have sat through this series so far and thought, well, this all makes sense. This theory is great but there's just absolutely no way that I could actually live it out. There's absolutely no way that I could actually do this. And I want to look this morning at how we can stop the fear of failure from getting in the way of trying. And as we look at this topic, there'll be some overlap between the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. Because for some of us, Failing feels like rejection, right? This is often the case where there's something that we've worked hard on or taken responsibility for that fails. And this is because we've invested ourselves into it. So when it fails, it feels personal. We've invested ourselves. We've taken responsibility for it. So the failure feels like a rejection. And some personality types will associate those two things together more than others. For some personality types, failure and rejection are one of the same. For others, they can disassociate those two things from one another. But for many who fear failure, when we go deeper into that fear, it's often the fear of the rejection that follows the failure that we're really scared of. That I may look silly or be thought of less as a result, to be thought less of as a result of the rejection. But the difficulty can be that the fear of rejection often leads to inactivity. The fear of rejection often leads to inactivity, whether that's applying for a job, whether that's trying out for a sports team or auditioning for that role, or even talking to your friend about Jesus. The fear of rejection can often lead to inactivity. And 
the problem with that is that when it has a hold on you, when it leads to inactivity, then it can lead to living a comfortable and mediocre life. And I want to make it clear this morning that as I talk about this, I am talking as much to myself than anyone here this morning. In fact, I'm probably talking more to myself than anyone here this morning. You might listen and think, well, it's easy for you to talk about a fear of rejection when clearly you're confident enough to stand at the front and and talk in front of people. So you can't be that scared of rejection. But the truth is, the fear of rejection in my life really does have a big hold on me. And it really does affect me in my daily life. In fact, if I'm totally honest with you, if I'm totally open with you, my fear of rejection is so apparent that over the last couple of months, it's turned into a social anxiety that has been really disruptive in my life. And to give you an example of what that might look like, to give you an example of how um, a fear of rejection can lead to social anxiety, last week, Emma and I went to look for cars. And we're looking um, around Canterbury, looking at different cars. And we get to the Kia garage, and I say to Emma, well, can we just look at the cars outside. I don't want to go into the showroom because the truth is I know nothing about cars. And people in showrooms, they seem to know what they're talking about. And I don't want to be found out as this guy that knows nothing, be judged and be rejected because I really don't know about cars. So I say to Emma, can we just look at the cars outside? I don't want to go in the showroom. But the problem was the car that we were looking at, it wasn't outside. The only one was in the showroom. So we go in, Emma drags me into the showroom, and as soon as we step in, I freeze. I couldn't do it. I had a moment of someone's about to come and speak to me. Someone's about to ask me what I'm looking for. Someone's going to come and talk to me about cars. And after driving half an hour to get to the Kia garage, to go to look for this car, after about 20 seconds of looking outside and five seconds of being inside the car showroom, we turn around, we get back into the car, and we drive home. The fear of rejection in me turned into social anxiety as I allowed the inactivity to take hold of my life. And now I tell you this not for any sympathy, because I know that so many of us do struggle with some form of social anxiety in different ways. But I'm, t- I'm saying this to make it clear this morning that I'm speaking about this from a perspective of someone who genuinely fears rejection. And if you're sitting here listening this morning, as I talk this morning, I want you to know that even if you feel like you can't try kingdom things like offering Uh, a friend offering to pray for a friend, I want you to know that I am in the exact same place and I have the exact same struggles and I completely get you. And my hope is that this morning together, we will be encouraged and there'll be an encouragement for those who fear rejection to live a life of try. So that's what I want to do this morning together. 
if anyone watches our coffee chats, does, that, does anyone watch our coffee chats or we just, oh, lovely. Some people watch our coffee chats. This is great. If anyone watches our coffee chats, you may have heard a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned someone called Caleb Meekins. Now, Caleb is an old friend. He attended Loughborough University. And as he t- prepared to graduate after his final year, he decided he wanted to start his own company. And as is always the case during final years at university, he was being asked left, right and centre, what's your plan? What are you doing next? And Caleb found that when he told people that he was going to start a company, he would get, the response would often be very negative. The response would often be figures of how many startups fail. The response would often be, why don't you do something a bit more safe first? The response would often be, why don't you get a safe job or a grad scheme? Because often when you start a business, it fails. And it got Caleb thinking. Everyone seems to be fixated on failure and rejection. But if rejection was a real possibility for him, if not probability, then he better start getting used to it, right? So Caleb launched a project, a project that he called My 40 Days of Rejection. The idea of this project was that he would create a Facebook group and he would get people on the Facebook group to give him tasks in which he would almost certainly get rejected in doing. So he had people follow his Facebook group and give him a load of tasks that he said, as long as it was legal, he would go out and do it, he would film himself doing it, and he would put it on YouTube. So he started doing that. The first week, the first day of his 40-day challenge, he was asked to go around London and try to get someone to give him £100. So he walks around London. I mean, if you ask for five pounds, you get some funny looks. But asking for a hundred pounds, I can't imagine how awkward some of those conversations were. But he went around asking different people, can I have a hundred pounds? And of course, he got rejected. The next day, he was asked to try to get a fast food restaurant to cook his whole raw chicken. So he walked into McDonald's with a raw chicken and he said to them, can you cook my chicken? How much would it cost for you to cook my chicken? And they looked at him. They looked at his chicken and they said, try KFC. (laughs) So he went to KFC. He went and did the same. He took his raw chicken and he said, can you cook my raw chicken? And they laughed him out of the shop. His channel started to get quite a few views, quite a a lot of traction. And he was starting to be sent uh, tasks, tasks from various brands and loads of people. And at the end of this um, 40 days challenge, he came to speak at my school Christian Union. And he told us that he learned two main things from this project. The first thing he learned was that being rejected is not the end of the world. The more you get rejected, the less personal it feels and the better you become at responding to it. Great, fine. 
That's easy to say. The second thing that he learned was when you put yourself out there and try things, you'll be surprised how often you'll be successful in the things that are extremely improbable. Caleb had two real notable surprises during his 40 days. One of them was when he got tasked to get into Wimbledon without a ticket for the quarterfinals day. So what he did, obviously, he was only going to do things legally. So the way he did it was walk around uh, Wimbledon and ask every single steward, can I come in? Obviously, the majority of them said no. And then he went to a broadcaster and said, can I come in with you? And the broadcaster said, yes. And he went in and he spent the day of quarterfinal day in centre court at Wimbledon. Another one was he got onto the red carpet for the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory premiere. And he did that simply by dressing in a suit and walking very confidently onto the red carpet. And no one stopped him. When he was there, not only did he get in to uh, the premiere, but he even got invited to an exclusive celebrity after party, (laughs) which is just amazing. But Caleb said this to us. He said, if in these trivial things, I saw so much that the things that were so improbable became possible, how much more so will we see God turn the impossible possible when we step out alongside him? And I think lots of us are in the same boat. We want to be able to do these things, right? We want to partner with God in kingdom activity. We want to see God do amazing things. We want to have the stories to tell people, But I guess we just need to work out, if you're like me, we need to work out how we can stop the fear of rejection from leading to inactivity. And the way I want to do that this morning, the way I want to look at this this morning is to look at a story in the Old Testament that I think we can find a lot of encouragement from, where God had a dialogue with someone who was frightened to to respond to what God was asking him to do. And then once you feel adequately encouraged, I want to then give some practical tips of where we can start and what it might look like to start trying in the face of a fear of rejection. So if you do have your Bibles with you, then please turn with me to Judges 6. Uh, We're going to be looking in Judges 6 at verses 14 to 17, and then we're going to be skipping on to verses 36 to 40. So if you do have your Bibles, do you want to turn with me? But it is going to be on the screen behind me also. Little bit of context. You don't really need to know loads of context from this story, but the Israelites were being oppressed by um, by the Midianites who were ruling over them. And this is then a conversation that Gideon is having with God as a response to that. So starting at verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. 
am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. And then as I'm about to skip on to um, a few verses later, but basically what happens in between is Gideon sees God show his power in ways that he had probably never seen before. So we're going to skip forward and see that even though Gideon had seen God's power in amazing ways, he was still scared and he still needed more confirmation. So skipping forward then to verse 36, Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew on only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the Jew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Now, the context of this story is different. Different things are going on in the background. But what is happening is Gideon in this passage is afraid to do what God was telling him to do. And I think within this, within this story, there are some great encouragements about God's character for anyone who is scared to follow his instructions. Anyone here who is scared to go out and try because of maybe their fear of rejection, I hope that there are some encouragements in this passage. The first encouragement is simple. The first encouragement is don't feel scared. Uh, don't feel guilty for being scared. Don't feel guilty for being scared. We've all been there. I love how the Bible has so many examples of people who don't respond to God in the way that we often see as the perfect way. Because when I ask a, uh, non, any non-Christian friend what they think of Christians, the buzzword is judgmental. It seems to come up over and over again. And I think at times the church, especially the church in the West, has painted a picture of what it looks like to be this ideal disciple. And I think it's really damaging. This idea of someone who never questions God, who always feels brave and finds it easy to talk to others about him and who constantly has a smile on their face 
and never has any worries. If you don't believe me, all you need to do is watch any cartoon that has a Christian caricature in. A, a classic example is The Simpsons with Ned Flanders. Is it Flanders? I, yeah, there we go. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons when I was growing up. Um, <laughs> but this isn't what we see in the Bible. As seen in this passage, the people that God chooses to do his work, to do great things, often aren't these caricature Christians. They often aren't these types of people. We see people throughout scripture, people that God uses, who struggle with their mental health, calling out to God in a pit. We see people who are scared, who are fearful to a place of inactivity. We see people who question God constantly. And I don't know about you, but I personally find that so reassuring. So reassuring that throughout history, there's been thousands and thousands of people who have deep, real, meaningful relationships with God that have struggled to step out, that have struggled to try, that have struggled to tell others about him. Yet God still uses them. And this series that we're doing, this series looking at a life of try, is not in the slightest about guilt tripping anyone. It's not about making anyone feel any more anxious than they already did. But instead, it's a reminder that God chooses us, chooses you, to extend his kingdom. And he chooses you as you are to extend his kingdom. Which leads me to the second encouragement. So that first encouragement is don't feel guilty about being scared to step out. The second encouragement that I get from this passage is this. God uses scared people. God uses scared people. One of the amazing lessons from the story of Gideon is that we see right away, right? Gideon here is terrified. He is saying, "My, these people are not strong enough. God tells him that he is sending uh, Gideon to lead the people to save Israel. And Gideon's response is, but we're too weak. At this moment, he has 32,000 men in his army. But clearly he didn't feel that was enough to win the fight. Yet we read in the next chapter, as we continue on in this story, that God cuts the army down from 32,000 to 300. And then he says, now you go and fight. And he does it. He says, the reason I want to cut this down to 300 is so that you don't try to do it in your own strength, but you rely on me. He says, if you're relying on me, then you won't go away and say, look what we did. But you would say, look what God did. Those of us here who are scared to step out, those of us here who are scared by the idea of trying, if the possibility of rejection terrifies you, then you are in a brilliant position for living a life of try. Why? Because when we're scared and step out anyway, we have no option 
but to rely on God. And what better way to see God's kingdom come than us stepping out relying on him? There's a narrative throughout the Bible. There's a narrative that we see as you read from front to back, as you read through the Bible, you see when we sacrifice lots, God does lots. God moves when our longing to see him move is bigger than our fear of rejection or failure. God moves when our longing to see him move is bigger than our fear of rejection or failure. When I was traveling with uh, Mike Pilavachi, I heard him say the same thing over and over and over again. I mean, I heard him say all of his stories over and over and over again. But this thing in particular, I heard him say it over and over and over again. And it was this. You might have heard it before. If we step out and get it wrong or get rejected, no one dies. But if we step out and God speaks then someone's life has flipped upside down. God loves to use those of us who are scared to step out because when we're scared to step out, we have to rely on him. The final encouragement from this passage is God understands our fears. Did you notice how God responds to Gideon's requests for a sign? What he didn't do was tell him off. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't say, are you serious? I'm God and I'm literally speaking to you right now. He actually entertains it. And then God gives him the exact sign that Gideon asked for. And Gideon goes, sorry, pardon me. Um, Do you mind doing it again, but the other way around, just so I could be totally, totally, totally sure. And again, God's response is the same. And I want to suggest that the reason that God doesn't tell him off in that moment, the reason that God entertains him asking for the signs is because God understands how Gideon is feeling. God knows that Gideon is scared and doesn't think of that as a weakness that he needs to get over, but something that he wants to support Gideon in and partner with him through. One of the amazing things about Jesus's dual nature as fully God and fully human is that even though he was fully God, he brought himself low to endure suffering and emotions of humanity. Jesus experienced rejection from his family, from his friends, from his community, but he was also scared. Jesus was scared in his life. I mean, We read in Matthew chapter 6, him asking the father, is there any other way? He was scared about going to the cross. So God knows and understands your fears. But what he says is he says, I am with you in it. And I'm partnering you with it. You can talk to God about your fears and you can ask him to be with you as you step out and you try. So the third and final encouragement is that God understands our fears. And now it would be easy to leave it there. I think often 
uh, particularly uh, the Western church, we often leave it there. We say, now go be encouraged and go live a life of try. And that might be great for some people. Some of you may be like, great, that's encouragement. That's all I need. Go pray for the sick. Go tell your friends about Jesus. Be encouraged and go. But while some might find that helpful, for some of us, we may feel encouraged to an extent by looking at God's character, but we may still feel like we can't do it. We may still feel like this is amazing. This is great. But I still can't step out. So I want to finish by just giving three little tips, three tips for anyone who is fearing rejection to step out and start trying. The first tip is this. You may have heard try before you buy, but this tip is pray before you try. If you were scared, and even if you're not, to be honest, but particularly if you're scared in this moment, this is so important. If you're scared before you go to speak to someone or invite someone to an event or pray for someone or whatever it is that you might try, ask the Holy Spirit to be with you. Ask the Holy Spirit to calm you, to fill you afresh, and even ask him to give you the words to say. So that's the first small tip. Pray before you try. The second tip is start small. You don't need to start by giving a prophetic word to a stranger on the street. Gideon was told by God. He was told by God himself that he would be successful, yet he still wanted to see a sign. And how did God respond to Gideon? He didn't respond by saying, what are you doing? He encouraged it. Why don't you start by stepping out in a way that feels slightly less daunting and see what God does? Why don't you ask God to partner with you in something slightly less daunting? If you're needing to start small, why don't you see what God does when you step out in a small way? Maybe that's telling someone that you're praying for them. Or even when talking about your weekend, just bringing up church and telling them about something in the service, what was spoken about or a worship song. Once you start to be slightly more open with your faith and once you see what God does in those conversations, once we see God stirring something in the small, then you'll start to gain confidence that God will meet you in those moments when you step out. So the second tip is start small. You don't need to start with a big prophetic word moment. Final tip is ask someone to keep you accountable. And I don't mean accountable in this scary, weird, like telling off kind of way. I mean, if you feel like God's asking you to do something, tell someone and ask them to check that you've done it. Part of this is having a culture here, having a culture at Riverside where we commit to supporting each other and celebrating try whether deemed a success or a failure. But have someone that you're accountable to. Has someone that you're accountable to, so it, because what happens is it gives you more motivation to actually do that, because you know that you're going to be asked, and you don't want to say, actually, I didn't do it. Even those who feel confident in try, in stepping out, having someone you're accountable to is vital. I just want to finish with a story of this. Um, 
another Mike Pilavachi story. He tells a story about seeing a man by himself with his luggage in an airport. And he got a nudge. He felt that God was saying something. Just a little thought went through his mind to go and ask this man if he wants prayer about anything. But even Mike had a moment, Mike, who, who we think of as someone that, that's very good at that. He stands on a stage and does it so often. But even in that moment, he doubted, maybe it's not God. But what if I get rejected? What happens in that moment if I'm laughed at? And he decided to ignore it. And as Mike walked away from that person, he just said to the person next uh, that he was with, he said, I just had an inkling that I should go pray for that man. But actually, I'm not sure. Let's, let's just go. And his friend, she turned around and said to him, no, 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 no. If you think God might have said something, what do you always tell us? You say, if you get rejected, no one dies. But someone's life can be flipped around. So she said to him, go, go have that conversation. Mike went over and prayed for this man in the airport, and it, found, it, it turned out that he was uh, just arrived in the country for mission. He was a missionary that had just arrived, and he was doubting whether he was in the right place, and he just that moment said to God, God, if I'm in the right place, please, please show me. And straight after, Mike approached him and said, I felt God tell me that I needed to pray for you. This guy's ministry was confirmed in that moment because Mike had someone next to him that said, if God's speaking to you, go and do it. So three tips to get started if you're scared of rejection. One, pray before you try. Two, start small. And finally, three, be accountable. Should we stand and pray? Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.